Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is episode 76 for Tuesday, July 26th, 2011. As always, I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me from his secret location here in the Fragrant Harbor is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hi, everybody. Hi, Paul. How are you? All right. Doing all right. Any big news? Any big any big happenings in the past week? Um, well, I went to the uh, Hong Kong Book Fair. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge deal over here now, isn't it? Huge, huge thing. I guess uh, we have actually a lot of readers in the city. And um, in addition to your casual readers of novels and gossip rags and whatnot, you also have a lot of parents uh, who are taking the summer vacation to take their kids to try and get some cheap textbooks. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, what, I got a. What yeah. was your experience? Can you give us a little brief rundown of it? Was it uh, super crowded or did you kind of glide through and pick up some good deals? Uh, well, I went early. I went right at opening time so i just kind of glide through in about you know two and a half three hours or so and i mainly hunted for film books so this year um i got some let me look at what i got here on the ground <laughs> i i got a well i got a dictionary of cantonese colloquialisms in english which would help greatly in my in my translating work um i got a 15 percent off deal on uh, the hong kong international film festival's white half fight booklet because he was the filmmaker in focus this year and it's a bilingual book so uh if you're interested paul i can lend you this a lot of interesting tidbits here uh in the interview with johnny toe and white half um i also have let's see a book on hong kong media law because um as i'm reporting more and more secrets internal memos and all that crap i might want to know if i'm breaking Wait, the law this is like the piracy capital of of the planet, right? And and there's an actual book on Hong Kong media law. Well, no, it's all more for more for journalists and media professionals, you mm. know, like you and I. So this is going to be very useful if I'm ever going to be, you know, having a more breaking news in the future. But the thing that um, fans of the podcast might want to know about the most is these two poster collections. Oh that yeah, I got. you tweeted about those. I am very very jealous. Yes, these are published, I think, by the Old City Entertainment Magazine. One of them is a collection of poster art from Hong Kong 80s uh, movies in the 80s. And another one is a 1997 to 2007 montage. The reason I picked these two is because every for every poster they have in the book, they have the total box office numbers. Mm. So if I ever want to find out how much, um, let's see, uh, Scorpion King made in Hong Kong when it opened on April 19th, 2002, I can just... Look it up, and I can tell you it made eleven point five million Hong Kong dollars. Wait, is that the the, the Rock Scorpion King or yes, the Rock Scorpion King? I'm quite surprised. So this how is this is this isn't just local films then. Yeah, this every film released in Hong Kong uh, between 2000, 1997, 2007. Wow, uh, what what size are the poster images? If I can ask, they they vary. They vary. Some of them are very small. Some of them are pretty big. Uh, unfortunately, I think 
well, it's a little half-half between like some really big foreign film poster and some fairly small one. The, the I think the the book itself is about the size of a. It's bigger than A4, uh, a little bigger than A4. Hmm. Uh, so it's not a very big book, but very very useful information. For example, I just saw Donnie's Ballistic Kiss on there. Okay, well I'm not gonna look, but um, yeah, some books I did miss out this year. Apparently, I couldn't find or I kind of missed when I was trying to dodge the crowds was Wang Jing's autobiography. And uh, Donnie Yen's latest book. So I guess I'm going to have to uh, find those a little later. But yeah, mm. the book fair. Really some really good stuff in here. Um, if you want to go next year, Paul, I suggest it. Because there's a lot of film books there that you can... Yeah, so, you out. know, but for me, I hate the crowds. And between that and, and all the photographers and the people wanting to get a glimpse of the Langmos selling their books there, um, I don't know if I could stomach it. You know, oh, it's, it's like when I shop, I, I'm the kind of person, it's like I know exactly what I want. I want to go to one place. I want to get that one thing. I want to get in. I want to get out, and I want to be done. I'm not somebody who really enjoys the browse of shopping. Yeah. Even even when I'm in a store that's kind of my element, like a comic book store or a regular bookstore or a DVD shop, usually I have something in mind that I want to find. Mm-hmm. And if I can't find it, I don't spend a whole lot of time sorting through and, and looking through um other other you know just general stuff so uh yeah. i do need to get out to one though it sounds like you got some really good good book deals and uh i'm a, i'm a bit jealous and you know speaking of of conventions and fairs and whatnot i mean a lot of the news has been focused on comic-con which we talked a little bit about last week that just wrapped up i think right over this past weekend and and i was looking at some of the posts people were putting up on google plus and some of the clips and images coming out talking a little bit about it with my wife she she has no idea what what those things are like and i was saying well you know you kind of go and and they've got vendors and dealers but you know there are celebrities and 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 stars and she's like so you're saying i could see like uh bill and eric from true blood and i was like yeah and she's like oh we gotta go next year (laughs) so um I've, i've piqued her interest a little bit but even that, I mean, we've, and I've talked about this before. I, there's just so many people at them now. I used to go to conventions in, in the 90s. I've mm. been to a couple of Trek conventions. When there were small affairs, it mostly there were, there were just, you know, uh, smelly geeks in a room listening to a couple uh, actors talk or, or a producer or a writer talk. And, and that was pretty much it. You didn't have to wait in these tremendously long lines. I hear these stories of people camping out so that they can get in line to get into a room at 10 a.m. And they don't even want to be in that room for that panel. They're hmm. waiting for like two or three panels later, you know, because yeah. you, if you're in the room, you can get to stay in the room and then they'll let other, other people come in. So it's just, that's just insane. I, I, I'm not the kind of person who really handles that those kind of crowds of that size really well. But well, that, if we can handle me. the if we can handle Comic Con, you can definitely handle the Hong Kong Book Fair. And I'm talking about even with the Lamos there. Yeah, yeah it's it's definitely not as bad as uh, Smelly Geeks and you know Hong Kong readers are cute sometimes. So I'll put prop in the chat room saying Spielberg, I guess, was there selling this year selling his movies. Uh, a lot of big people there. I mean, uh, the, you know, all the major trailers came out. Uh, dur- during this time, you have major presence from all the studios. Um, it's it's really just become huge, especially the San, from what I understand, San Diego, because of its relative proximity. 
um, for stars and actors and whatnot. But I, I don't know. I, I get, I, I see all the stuff, and I, I, part of me says, oh, I want to go. I want to see that that kind of stuff. So, but am I kind of like an old geezer for you know wondering? Okay, why? Why has the Comic Con turned into like a movies convention? I mean, didn't we have used to have Show West for this kind of stuff? I mean, yeah, I mean Show West and, is you know, it's it's, some people have asked that question. They're like, "Oh, it's Comic Con. It should be yeah. about the comics, right?" Mm-hmm. But it's there's so much gray these days, you know, because like TV shows have comics now. I think there's a there's a True Blood spinoff comic, um, the old show that got canceled, uh, Firefly, was continued through comics. Um, you know, obviously superhero movies, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Captain America, all those things have their roots in comics and you get Stan Lee making cameos. So, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things. If it's geek related, it's, it's, there's the geek dollar, which is involved, which is sort of, I guess, a marketing concept that they know people will line up, they'll pay money and they'll go in and shop as well. So. Yeah, but I guess a lot of help that did Scott Pilgrim last year huh, at the box office. Yeah, yeah, Scott. You know, the, there are things that you know slip through the cracks. Scott yep. Pilgrim was uh, was a casualty of war, you might say, uh, but still mm-hmm. a great movie. All right, uh, well, that's general stuff. Let's get on to talk a little bit about some news. Oh no, wait! Before we get on to news, we've got a very, very important thing to talk about this week, um, and that is happening right here in Hong Kong, and that is our friend uh, Marco Spomberg. And his project, along with uh, so some other people he's worked on it with, the Squatter Town premiere. Now, that will be happening here in Hong Kong um, July 30th at 7 p.m. Hong Kong time. That's 11 a.m. Greenwich Mean Time. And if you live in another time zone, you can just sort of extrapolate the time zone. But there will be a physical premiere. Uh, and I... As, as, as I recall, if you're one of the funding members, you get, you know, you get to attend. But I, I'm sure if you know Marco, he'd be happy if you're in, in Hong Kong and you're interested uh, to, to come to the premiere. The premiere is going to be held at Videotage, which is in, is that's in um, the Cattle Tokawan. Depot, right? Tokawan, yeah, yeah. At the, the Artist Village. Um, the Artist Village. Uh, and he's got, if you go to Google Plus or go on Facebook and just do... The search for Squatter Town, you'll see the profile, and he's got directions on how to get there, um, and all kinds of promotional stuff about what's going on with the event. But the likelihood is is that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not in Hong Kong necessarily, meaning you're not going to be able to attend the physical physical premiere. But he is having a virtual premiere at the same time. I, th- I think mm-hmm. it's happening live, right? They're they're going to be having cameras rolling. And it's going to be streaming on YouTube. Uh, yes. Or no, not YouTube. Ustream. It's going to be streaming right. on Ustream. So he has a Ustream channel um, called... The, the, the URL is ustream.tv slash channel slash squattertown dash premiere. And I will put that link up on the show notes as well. And you can find that link again on Google Plus or Facebook. And so if you are at some other distant location across the world and you're interested to see... Uh, Mr. Spomberg's work. Uh, we've had him on the show here to talk a little bit about it during the product, pre-production production phase of it. And he'll be joining us next week to talk about the final product and some of the reactions to it. So you'll be able to watch that either live or if the time doesn't suit you, it should be up on uh, YouTube and on various video channel sites for your consumption. So that's the Squatter Town premiere this weekend, this Saturday, July 30th, 7 p.m. Hong Kong time, 11 a.m. 
Greenwich Mean Time. And you're going to be at the premiere, right, Kevin? Yes. Uh, actually, Marco, because I am the Twitter extraordinaire, um, I will be uh, Twitter, Twittering, tweeting uh, live, uh, Facebooking live as well, uh, putting up updates and just pretty much following what's happening. Uh, so you can follow me. I'm not sure if, if Mark was making run the account or my own account. But yeah, I, I will be tweeting uh, live from the premiere as well. All right. And so are you going to like wear a tux and walk the red carpet and uh, pose for the paparazzi? Uh, he'll be lucky if I show up in a polo. <laughs> <laughs> Shorts and a t-shirt for you. It is so hot these days in Hong Kong. It's yeah. like I go outside and I'm just dripping with sweat and I keep praying for a typhoon to just come through. We've got one out there, but I don't think it's coming this way. Everybody's saying, super typhoon. And I'm like, no, nah, it's 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 not happening. The Li Ka-Shing shield is too strong. The only super typhoon we get is the movie, yeah. so let's forget it. All right. We'll talk more about Squatter Town premiere after we see it and with Mr. Spomberg himself next week. But for now, it is time for some news. All right, a couple of news stories of current events this week. First up, we just finished talking about the book fair, and right on the heels of the book fair, we now have the Anicom Games Expo, or what some people call the ACG Expo. Um, this is sort of a cosplay slash anime comic uh, and some games usually ja mostly japanese games expo that happens here in hong kong uh, i will put the links up uh, to the event it's not a big event it's nothing the size of, of comic con or even uh, maybe around the size of a moderately sized star trek convention um, but yeah you get a lot of cosplayers i was watching a sh thing on tvb tonight they were interviewing some of the really uh, better known cosplayers here in Hong Kong who really go all out with some of their costumes. I mean, some of those things look like they really sunk some uh, big bucks into their design. And so that's happening. It starts tomorrow, and I think it runs for three days. The problem is, is the Anacom website itself, I'll put the link up, but it's only in Chinese. They don't have an English site. I went to it, I want to say, two, two or three years ago. Uh, I went with some of my students, and they actually helped me um, book the tickets online. But you can actually, it wasn't that crowded when we went. There were people on the news tonight who had been lined up to uh, to get in. I don't know, I, I guess they're looking for the best deals. They want to be sort of for first in the door. But when we went, I think we went on the second day, and we just walked in. There wasn't a line or anything, so... Uh, it was crowded. There were people walking around and looking at stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't Comic Con style crowded. At least not from the videos that I saw. Um, but if you're interested in that kind of stuff, mostly it's focusing on Japanese comics, uh, Japanese games. But they do have some, you know, they highlight some of the newer stuff coming out of Japan, and that'll be happening here. I'll just put some links up. But again, not very user friendly. You know, I think I talked about this before too. You'd think that here in Hong Kong. Um, Stuff like this would be a little bit more bilingual, mm. you know, at conventions and things. I mean, because we are sort of the, the the world city, the the pearl of the Orient, the uh, hub of Asia, or supposed to be so, right? Well, the thing is, I think with you know rights and whatever thing is that seems to be most of the uh, animation available in Hong Kong happens to be in Chinese. There isn't very much. Uh, there isn't a lot of English language. Um, access for anime in town so it just seems 
more natural that they keep things on a Chinese level, I guess. Mm. You know, it's it's one of those things where they don't they, they just didn't think of that kind of audience. Yeah. yeah. And well, again, to be fair, a lot of it is Japanese based and uh, tr- Chinese translations of Japanese manga and these kinds of things. So, right. Yeah. Uh, I do want to point out that at least one Lamo has has promised that she will break into the show, even though I think Lamo has mostly been banned this year, maybe except a few few of them dressing as maids. But one, at least one Lamo this year has promised Which to break one? in. I don't remember. Is it Phoebe or Jenna? One of the newer ones. Um, one of the ones that I think uh, licking milk or showing bra line, whatever. Yeah, one of the Lamos are showing up this year. So if you're gonna you're gonna try. You want to see a Lamo, you can try breaking the yeah. show and uh, see, see, see how lucky yeah, you are. Yeah. Probably shouldn't say this here. One of my <laughs> students is a Lamo. Woo! <laughs> I won't say which one. Uh, and she's actually a pretty decent student, but she's yeah. been getting a lot of attention lately. And so the last few weeks of the semester, she was like not coming to class. <laughs> Um, well, Paul, we, we should uh, have a talk when <laughs> we get off this live live stream thing. <laughs> eh, maybe we shall. Maybe we shall. Um, all right. So there's the Anacon. Uh, second bit of news coming from our favorite news site, that is Film Biz Asia, on some Asian news coming out of Hollywood. Um, and this is a pretty long article coming from Patrick Frader, uh, coming from uh, Monday, a couple days uh, yesterday, actually. And there's quite a few little different news snippets in here. I'll just talk about a couple of them that caught my eye. Uh, the first one, Legendary Pictures, has appointed has appointed David Goyer, the screenwriter of Batman Begins and the director of Blade Trinity. Oh, that was terrible. Well, but he did um, write the first two Blade movies, I think. Okay, well, some redemption and then the fall and, from Grace. And David Goyer is one of uh, Christopher Nolan's main collaborator in, mm. his, in, his, in his Dark Knight trilogy. Well, he's not directing here, but he is to write the script for the English-language remake of Toho's Godzilla. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope he's not looking at Roland Emmerich's uh, hmm. incarnation at all. I hope <laughs> he's going to plan to sort of keep this with a feel and he's not going to set it like in San Diego or, you know, it's going to be based in Asia at least. I mean, that, that's, that's what, that's what makes sort of Godzilla part of Godzilla, right? Should be destroying Asian cities. Well, as long as it's destroying something, it's fine with me. (laughs) Um, so I'm, I'm excited and I'm also a little bit scared. No, I'm, I'm excited with David Goyer. David Goyer is, um, at least not a very talented scriptwriter, if not a director. I mean, I haven't actually seen the entire uh, Blade Trinity, so I don't know how he is as a director. But he is a he's a fine writer, and he was one of the guys who, like I said, uh, worked on worked with Christopher Nolan on the the Batman reboot, and he wrote the first Blade movie, and I think that was a you know that was a great comic book movie. So um, I hope David Goyer brings something fresh to the Godzilla mm-hmm. franchise. All right, uh, one of the other points in the article, DreamWorks Animation is pr- to produce an Indian-themed animated film called Monkeys of Mumbai, uh, which is apparently a take on the Indian epic ta- uh, tale R- uh, Ramayana. So uh, I, I guess they felt with the success, maybe somewhat culturally related, of uh, Kung Fu Panda, uh, that they've got some room to explore some other legends and um, cultural myths. Could be good, oh. right? Uh, let's see. It says, uh, the script is coming from uh, Grinder Chanda and Paul Burgess, screenwriters from Bride and Prejudice and Bend It Like Beckham. 
I really like Pride hmm. and Prejudice. Uh, there could be some interesting mixed cultural things going in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's see. Uh, also, a little bit Asia-related, uh, if I can say his name correctly, Wam Collet Sarah has been hired by Warner Brothers to replace Albert Hughes as director of the studio's planned live-action remake of the classic 1988 Japanese anime film Akira. Um, this is Still no faith. <laughs> yeah, this is a film that's probably going to have a lot of controversy no matter who they assign to it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish they assigned a more, how do I say, a un, more unique director. Um, Colossary, he did okay with Unknown, but he doesn't seem to be a particularly, you know, visionary director. Um, I think Albert Hughes was a interesting choice, especially after seeing, uh, after I watched, uh, what was that book? Uh, book of Eli a couple weeks ago. I mm. think it would be an interesting choice. But, yeah, right now, just, just nothing new here that's really inspiring me, this film. Mm. Uh, a little bit further down, Relativity Media is planning a live-action film version of Voltron. Yes! Mm. I'm excited. Uh, Voltron, Defender of the Universe, one of the sort of, if you're a little bit older, you'll remember the Japanese anime uh, cartoons that would come on in the afternoon after school. Uh, these were sort of pre-Power Ranger days. Um, Voltron was one of my things to come home that I look forward to when I would get off, get out from school, coming home and watching that. So hopefully they'll do that some justice, and it won't look just like a uh, Ultraman or a, or a Power Rangers kind of ripoff. Uh, let's see. There's one other thing I wanted to mention, and I would do Beiduna. Beiduna, um, a really great Korean actress who was in uh, Hirokazu Koreeda's uh, Air Doll. Uh, also, mm, maybe yeah. more more extreme Asia extreme would be uh, I think. Simply for Mr. Vengeance, um, now signed on to do Cloud Atlas. That's mm-hmm. the really ambitious project being done by both the Wachowski brothers and Tom Tikwar. Um, is good. You know, I, I like Beiduna. Beiduna is one of my favorite Korean actresses. Mm. And uh, the film, which is a really, really ambitious project, if I remember correctly. Um, and it sounds like it has a really big cast. And yeah, just it will be good to see Beiduna in a, in a film, I guess. And the, one of the last points that they make, um, 1492 uh, Pictures has recently announced an English language remake of Norwegian horror thriller Troll Hunter, which I just watched over the weekend, and I have to say it was awesome. Uh, I had I had gotten a chance to do an early rental on iTunes, a little bit more than a standard rental, and I'd heard a couple things about it. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. And then uh, I put it off. For a while, because when you rent a movie on iTunes, you get like 30 days mm-hmm. um, to watch it before it goes off. And, and I'd start watching some other things, and then I had forgotten I had rented it. And uh, one of my reminders popped up, and I was like, oh, yeah, I've got that. I'm going to watch it. And so I watched it over the weekend. It was fantastic. I loved it. It was, I mean, it, it's it's nothing really new in terms of its approach. It's basically Blair Witch Project, mm. but with trolls. <laughs> Right, so it's like take Blair Witch Project and throw in some Lord of the Rings or Hobbit style fantasy in a modern day setting, and you get this film, and it was amazing. And the 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 really good thing was that I was thinking, there's not going to be any payoff in this film. It's just going to be sort of a Cloverfield style thing, or it's going to be a, a Blair Witch style thing. But no, there's a lot of payoff, and it was just great. The effects were great, and and it's not. Even, it's being released on video, DVD, and Blu-ray. I think uh, next month, and I'm mm. just excited to get the Blu-ray. 
and watch it again. Uh, I really, really liked it. Um, yeah, it was just a solid, solid film. It, it there, there are a couple things that I, I pick at it with, and I'll probably talk about it once I do get the Blu-ray. Maybe we'll have that on as a Blu-ray special. But, um, yeah, I don't want to talk too much about it now, but if you get a chance to see it and you like fantasy, I, and you don't even have to like, you know, Cloverfield or The Blair Witch Project. Cloverfield I was okay with. I didn't really like The Blair Witch Project, but I liked the concept. Um, I first started watching The Blair Witch Project before it became a full film when they were just releasing the segments online and people were questioning, oh, is this real? What is this? Um, I, I was very intrigued by that approach and, and the fact that, you know, these students were using this video technique. Um, once all the hubbub sort of started getting going and it started going around film festivals and everybody knew the story behind it, I kind of lost interest in it. And as a film itself, it d never really worked for me um, outside of the interesting innovations that they were doing. Um, Cloverfield kind of refine that as a Hollywood thing, but this is just for me. It was just perfect. So, well, uh, I mean, the trolls actually do show up, right? Unlike Blair Witch. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, 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 I mean, if you just look at the cover art, <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> scene is there. That's not a fake scene. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't want to spoil too much, though. So, but but why does it have to be Chris Columbus Company? Chris Columbus. Yeah. It's a hack. yeah. Well, you know, again, we'll talk more about remakes and, and things. We've got a lot of remakes going on uh, these days. Uh, everybody's excited about the David Fincher one, right? The, uh, yeah, the, the, the Dragon, Dragon Tattoo. tattoo. Yeah. Uh, I'm sort of in the camp of, uh, did they need to remake it? I love the original. Yeah. Um, but, but the original looked like a David Fincher movie anyway. No. Well, that's what some people said, and some people was listening to another podcast, and some people were saying that the, um, the original kind of doesn't look that high budget and mm. could do with a better budget that david fincher could bring to it so i mean of course i'll see it but um it's just one of those things that had me questioning did it did we really need it of course the one thing that i'm questioning did we really need it after seeing the trailer is spider-man uh, mm. we talked a little bit about that last week getting away from the the trailer which is copying um video games and, and things like that um it just I'm not that excited about it. It just doesn't seem all that fresh. It doesn't seem all that new. Um, some interesting casting choices. I think Martin Sheen and uh, Sally Field, I think, is playing uh, uh, Uncle Ben and Aunt Beru. Uh, no, not that's Star Wars. What am I thinking? Um, hmm. uh, it, Uncle, Uncle, Uncle. I can't remember. Uncle Diogo. <laughs> I bet. Look, you're in the chat room. That's Peter Parker's aunt and uncle. Yeah. Um, anyway. So there's that. I think it's Uncle Ben. Anyway, sorry. Let's go. Yeah, Let's Uncle go. Uncle Ben and Aunt something. Anyway, all right. Late. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get we'll get more onto that as it gets closer. Um, other news. Wait, <laughs> Macau, right? Yes. Um, right now on the on the live chat, we have we're joined by our our favorite Macau listener, uh, Diogo Martins, and he'll be Aunt May. Aunt May, the chat room Aunt comes May. through for the first time. Thank you. Thank in the deal. chat room, Aunt May. Uh, yeah, so uh, according to him, uh, he said that Macau has been uh, deprived of a good theater for many, many, many years. And now they're finally getting their first multiplex. Yes, United Artists Theaters, uh, which has which main based in Hong Kong, uh, but they've branched off to China in recent years. They're, they're working with the Galaxy Casino uh, and opening the first multiplex in Macau. 
finally. Uh, it'll be a looks like it'll be a ten ten screen. Sorry, nine screen theater uh, with a total of thousand seats, four VIP houses, four traditional theater, and one grand theater. Whatever the hell that means. Sounds like you'll have you know two hundred seats. Um, and I think you know it's good news. I think. Um, what do you think, Paul? I mean, you do? You, did you? Would you like to watch a movie in Macau when you take a trip there, and, and or would you like to focus on you know winning some big money in the galaxy instead? Uh, I don't gamble, so I'm not interested in the casinos. And that's one of the questions I do have: is the is the cinema actually attached to or part of a casino? I think it's part of the the whole complex. Yeah. You know, usually the casinos in the first floor, and there's a mall next to it. It sounds like it'll be. On around that area, I don't think you have to walk in the casino to get to the theater. I think it'll be somewhere. Yeah, see, because you know, when I was in Vegas, usually you had to go through casinos a lot of times to get to stuff, and I couldn't stand that. And, and, but that's part of their trick, right? That's part of them with the bright lights and the noises, and you, you see people throwing money down on tables. That's they want to keep you circulating through those things to try and get you to spend some. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I. I don't know. I mean, if I if I were to go to Macau, I might spend the time watching a movie there. Certainly not going to spend a lot of any time gambling. Um, but I, you know, I'd probably maybe go see a show. Uh, they've got one. What do they got? One of the uh, Cirque du Soleil groups over there now. You're right, right. Yeah. And, and the then, water thing over yeah, City of Dreams. See a show, spend the night, maybe watch a movie the next day, do some exploring, come back. Yeah, yeah be a I good think, day. Yeah. And it'll be it's a great news for Macau residents who has been who've been deprived of a you know decent theater. And Apparently you, you go get... there all the time to watch concerts and stuff, right? So I mean, once in a while, you should yeah. have your Macau residency by now. <laughs> yeah, maybe if I get the if I get the uh, government cash they give back to me, I'll I'll I'll, I'll go yeah, there more just, often. Uh, there. Yeah, forget forget this movie stuff. You know, quit yes Asians, go be a dealer. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not very good with my hands. You, you could they could set you up a special table. You know, the name The Golden Rock, that sounds like a table you'd gamble at, or a slot machine at the very least, right? But isn't this one of those jinxing things where if you set me up a table named Golden Rock and people would, like, lose money, you know, because, you, yeah. you know, just think back to the, the Eakin movie, right? Um, Second was, time around. Yeah, yeah. you know, he, he was gambling against that guy and his name was God or something. <laughs> um, so okay. the only thing I remember about that movie was uh, the adult short round. No time for love, Dr. Jones. Yeah. No time for love, Ikin. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I forgot he was in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, it, it, so if you're out there listening and you ever wondered what happened to Short Round, he's in this Hong Kong film as an adult called, what is it? Second Time Second Around. Second Time Around. So, yes. yeah. The adult loud. Short Round. And uh, he was all right in that. I mean. He was, I, he was uh, I mean, he stole the show, actually, because yeah. he's a much better actor than Ikin. Yeah. So. But as always. Hey, Doctor Joe, no time for love. We got company. <laughs> yep, no time for love, <laughs> and no time for news. We're running out of time. Uh, so, last bit of news: fighting one robots. More. One more, one more. Yes, finally, Transformers Three opened in China. Um, communists get out of the way. Uh, the robots had arrived, and they have broken every possible record you could throw at them. They beat these um, best opening day record. I think ninety-one million yuan. They broke the best single day record, which was 121 million yuan, and became the first movie to gross over 100 million yuan in one day. Um, biggest midnight showings ever, 12 million yuan. Uh, largest IMAX screen release, um, 
whatever record you throw at it, it is now at 400 million yuan after four days. That means it has outgrossed beginning of the Great Revival in four days. In four days. So <laughs> screw you, CCP. Uh, the robots will reign no matter when you open the movie. Um, Michael Bay is the king of China. There you go. He's king of the world. I mean, yes. And the, the the sad thing is, is everybody says it's such a cruddy movie. You know, yes, I haven't talked to one. I haven't really talked to one person who said, "No, nah, it's a good movie. I really liked it." You know, um, a lot of this actually is you know nostalgia because I think they a lot of Chinese youngsters, you know, my age, eighties, post eighties, post seventies, even the younger ones, they they actually also grew up watching you know cartoons and uh, you look at Weibo, a lot of them know the names of these robots and they always talk about the robots, the Chinese names. And I don't I don't even know the Chinese names of the robots. Um, and of course, you have the 3D prices, but you know, in addition to that, actually, there's a very, very high attendance rate, um, and it's big IMAX release. It's a big summer movie. This is just something one of those event things that you just have to go. Um, they they like spectacle. I mean, what else are they going to get it from China? I mean, <laughs> from their own own yeah. films, they are yeah. going to get it. So they see a big Hollywood spectacle. I mean, the word of mouth isn't isn't very good. They're not, you know. Even they, a lot of them are saying, oh, it's crap. But, you know, you, you at least you have to watch it to yeah. talk about it. We still went and saw it. We still spent the money. Michael right. Bay still got richer and richer. Let's stop. We shouldn't call him Michael Bay anymore. We should call him Magnet Bay. Because <laughs> he just pulls us back in. You know, so what is the old uh, Al Pacino line? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So, just, no, okay, forget I wasn't going to. Transformers 4 coming soon to a 4D theater near you. Oh God! Just please end it. Come up with something else, Michael. They need, to, you know, Chinese. Not just the Chinese people. I think the, the audience of the world deserve better. But they wanted their 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 big spectacle. They wanted their robots, and they didn't want to watch the party movie. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if many of these people want to watch the movie just to spite the party. It would be hilarious, you know, because the the party reportedly they they stalled this movie for two weeks or three weeks a month, so they could have their big propaganda movie and it underperformed and now the robots have won and it's like it's like some in some small ways karma um i like to i like to see it that way it's one of the very very few occasions where i'm glad transformers actually make money. well you know this is why this is where the ccp has kind of shot themselves in the foot because mm-hmm. they've got this policy now which has basically said you can't you can't do time travel mm-hmm. which is kind of I mean, I'm not sure if they're still, if they would count like alternate realities and things as time travel. But I mean, imagine if you had Transformers going back in time to help Mao fight the revolution. (laughs) It's like a win-win, right? (laughs) But they can't do it now because it's no time travel. So Captain Red. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Here's the thing. As I wrote in my blog before, you know, Chinese people, they... The, uh, the audience is not that stupid. They know that if they want spectacle, they can go to Hollywood for this. Chinese Chinese filmmakers should be focused on making good, smart movies that don't necessarily cost a lot. You know, look at uh, Let the Bullets Fly. It's, uh, it's essentially a uh, uh, good, the bad, the ugly mm-hmm. uh, without a lot of explosions. It's not, you know, the budget is big, but it, it's not as big as, say, Transformers. They, didn't, they don't need a lot of special effects. And it did very well. 700 million yuan. It's been the most successful movie ever in China. It just, they have to find a niche. They don't, they can't compete. A lot of, a lot of the nationalists, they talk about, oh, why can't we compete with Transformers? We gotta, we gotta, we gotta make 
a movie that will match Transformers. We have to make this animation that will match Kung Fu Panda. Forget it. Find your own niche and, and, and master at that first before you try to compete with anyone else. Hong Kong tried to compete with Hollywood for a while in the 90s, late 90s. Didn't work out. So what, 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 So then now they're moving to China. So Hong Kong has kind of been an example. They find their own niche and they, they, they find China and they you know, go and master that. And that's what Chinese commercial cinema needs to do. Yeah. Hey, hey. All right, so this week we are doing our Bollywood special. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple Bollywood Bollywood films that we've seen recently. We are not Bollywood experts here at East Screen West Screen, so let's get that disclaimer out of the way right here at the at the beginning of this uh, segment. But uh, we both have seen some Bollywood films of late, and we thought we want to want to talk about them. We thought. What better time to do it than this week when we don't have any new East Screen or West Screen screen films to talk about? So, Kevin, you're going to talk first about a film that... Um, when did you see this? You saw this at a film festival or...? Yes, I saw this a long time ago in the 2010 Hong Kong International Film Festival. Yes. Mm. Uh, so, def- it's been yes. out a while. It's now out on video though, right? Yes, it's been out on uh, DVD in America and also recently on DVD and Blu-ray from Taiwan. Okay, so what's the film you're going to tell us about? Yes, I will be talking about Free Idiots because, well, it's the only Bollywood film that I've seen in the last two years that I haven't talked about yet on this podcast. Uh, the film is currently, I think, still the highest grossing Bollywood film of all time in India. Um, it stars Amir Khan. Amir Khan, if you don't know, he was a star of Lagan. He's one of the biggest stars in India and in Bollywood and, I guess, in the world. Um, the film... It's based on a book called Five Point Someone, What Not to Do at IIT. Uh, it's about three engineering students at a prestigious engineering school in India and their tri- uh, trials and tribulations and their run-ins who are very, very stern dean and how they kind of figure out the education system as they go along. Uh, if you have, a, If you want your kids to be an engineer watch this movie. Uh, if you're studying to be an engineer, watch this movie. Uh, if you are an engineer, uh, maybe don't watch this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, Amir Khan stars as, um, as a, a very brilliant engineer called uh, Rancho. And he enters a school with kind of a rebellious attitude. And he believes that um, engineering school shouldn't be about grades. It should be about innovation and creativity. But, you know, as all scientific, I guess, education system goes, it's always about GPAs and grades and things like that. Uh, so obviously very universal theme. So don't let the musical sequences keep you away. The film has a lot of musical sequences, but the themes are very universal. It's very much a family movie in, in a way that if you have um, high school age kids and it's one of those films that are really suitable you know to sit around and kind of enjoy. Uh, Amir Khan was 44 years old when he's made this film. He plays like a 20-year-old college student. But for some reason, it works because Amir Khan is such, such, um, a, uh, such a star. He has such a star persona that whatever he does, he can pull it off because he's just so charming. It makes all his roles work. And he's, def- he's really good here as Rancho. Um, it's definitely a commercial film. Even though I saw this at a film festival, it is definitely a commercial film. It, it, it would throw a little bit of comedy at you, a lot of slapstick, a lot of over-the-top characterization. 
um, a big musical sequence, a big happy musical sequence, and suddenly, bam, tragedy. Uh, it has, it takes you really on a ride. It goes up and down for all 171 minutes. It is excessive. The music is booming. The the uh, the, the emotions are very melodramatic. Uh, the comedy is very uh, slapstickish. Um, but it definitely knows how to take its audience on a ride. Like I say, it goes up and down, up and down, and it, it knows how to work the audience very well. Uh, like I said earlier, it is very, it is definitely the um, the highest grossing film of all time in, in in India, and for a good reason because it's actually a good film, um, good performances, good music, good um, a good script, things like that. It, it's a very good commercial film, okay, and and it really connects with people. So that's that's why it works so well. Uh, like I said, I've, I saw this film at the Hong Kong International Film Festival. I saw it at the Cultural Center Grand Theater. So it sat about 1,000 people. And the audience were applauding and they were laughing. And oops, and they're with it the whole way. And by the end of it, everyone sat through the credits. All 1,000 people sat through the credits. And they all gave, it was like a concert. And they all gave really, really enthusiastic, enthusiastic applause at the end. And it reminded me... Um, the magic of watching a film in a cinema. This is what it's like to connect with other people, to to enjoy a really good movie together and to react together to it. And that's the kind of response that Three Idiots brings out in people. Mm. Um, like I said, it's 171 minutes. It's not a short film. I, I think many Bollywood movies are, are not short. But uh, And a lot of it goes to the musical sequences. I think there are at least four or five. I don't remember. But it's definitely not a slow film. Like I said, everything is so excessive that it kind of it kind of just throws everything at you. And it's, it's a very entertaining film. And it doesn't go by quickly because it is a long film. But it, is, it, it doesn't bore you. Um, it is not one of my favorite films because, you know, it's, the, the, some of the stuff are too excessive. And it's not really a movie you can sit and watch again and again. And, and it has its problems. But... I think it might be my favorite Bollywood film, and I've seen Lagan, which is which was I think the only Bollywood film in recent years to be, be to have been nominated for an Oscar, and that one's a great film. That's about the cricket cricket match um, between a bunch of Indian peasants and um, British colonial British British colonial team, and that was a four hour film. Okay, and that was a great film as well. But th- I think this this has taken over as my favorite Bollywood film. Um, in case you really are afraid of Bollywood musical sequences, uh, and I w- and I have given Paul a link to uh, a song. I think pretty much the song that everyone will remember from the movie is called "All Is Well," and that's the um, I think that's one of the first musical, musical sequences of the film, and it's one of the best ones. You watch it if you and you really are afraid of the film after you watch the musical sequence. I suggest that you watch another film called Udan. Uh, that is a film from India, I think an indie film. Um, it doesn't have the Bollywood stuff, but it deals with similar themes. Uh, tough parents, education system. It's very down to earth and it has uh, a lot of the similar themes. So I would say if you're really afraid of this, then watch Udan and see how it handles the kind of uh, themes like you know strict parents and education and things like that. And then I would say move on to Free Idiots because it's a more happy film and it's a more entertaining film and you'll be ready for it. So... Free Idiots is on DVD in the United States on Region 1 DVD. Uh, it's coming out on all Region Blu-ray from Taiwan. It was like, The film was actually a hit in Taiwan. It played for, I think, seven, eight weeks 
or a couple months in the theater and in that one theater and it was a big hit and now the DVD and Blu-ray are, are coming out from Taiwan so I would suggest you go buy that at yesasia.com <laughs> um, yeah so three hmm. idiots Out of control, hot dog, karke gol. Hot dog, karke gol. City baja ke bol. Jump life, out of control, hot dog, karke gol. Hot dog, karke gol. City baja ke bol. Murgi ka jaane, ande ka kya hoga? Yeah, I can remember high school days in the shower room. They weren't that fun. Oh, don't go there. For they, they were a lot more traumatic than that. <laughs> All right. So that's Three Idiots. Well, I'm here to talk about a film that I've been dying to see for a long time. Pretty recent film came out in October of last year, 2010. You've probably seen some of the clips on YouTube um, posted along and, and forwarded on emails and on Facebook sites and on all their social media networks. Um, and that is a film, the English title is Robot. The Tamil title I, is, if I say, I'm probably going to say this totally wrong, so please forgive me, but uh, In Tiran. In, in Tiran. Um, and it's got, a, it's got some interesting backstory. You can go and read um, a lot about it, about the film and how it got made and the reason why it's got uh, the Tamil title, um, things to do with financing and the, and the region and the language and things. Uh, this is a science fiction film, so sci-fi meets Bollywood. I mean, if there was anything that was going to get me into a true Bollywood film, uh, it would be this. Now, I've mentioned some things before. Last year, we talked about what was the Shah Rukh Khan film we saw. Um, My name is Khan. My name is Khan, and I really liked that. And then I've been, I, I really loved the indie film Outsourced, which isn't really a Bollywood film. It's sort of one of these hybrid productions uh, along the lines of... Um, Bend It Like Beckham or, or Bride and Prejudice, where there's like Western financing, but it's using a lot of uh, Bollywood talent in many cases. But this is, I guess, the first true full-length uh, Bollywood film that, I, that I've partaken in. And as you said with Three Idiots, this is a long film. I was not prepared for how long this was. I, I did not take a look at the time code uh, when I first started watching it, and at a certain point, I got up to take a bathroom break, and I was like, well, how much longer do I have? And I think it was about an hour in, and it was like another hour and 50 minutes. So your film God. beats this film. Your film, Three Idiots, you said was 171 minutes. This one's like 170 minutes. <laughs> so yours has got an extra minute in there. Um, so yeah, I would. I guess they're like this because... I don't know. It's 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 a cultural expectation that they expect long movies, and there's going to be lots of musicals numbers in between in you know in the film. I think there's five 
in this film, and I made the joke last week that I think that they set this up so that like every 30 minutes you've got a major musical number. It's like a chapter point. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a, a science fiction film, and it's a very big budget science fiction film. In fact, this film has the biggest budget for an Indian film to date. Um, the film has a number of big-name actors and uh, creators from India. Uh, the director is S. Shankar, who's, I guess, he's kind of like the... I, I, I attribute him to be like, you know, the Michael Bay of India because he makes really big, big budget projects. Um, and it stars the actor named Rajini Kanth. Raj, Rajini Kanth. Rajini Kanth, if I, I say that correctly. I think might be, might be silent. Rajini Kanth, okay. Yeah. And, of course, the lovely Ashwara Rai, um, who was the, the main attraction for me. Um, a number of other actors who are of various levels of renown in Bollywood cinema. And the musical score here, the, the, the musical numbers, are done by uh, A.R. Raman, who won the Oscars for Slumdog Millionaire. So this has there's a lot of money and a lot of talent going into this film, uh, which is quite surprising for a science fiction film. Uh, this is basically a Frankenstein story in, in some sorts. It, it, it starts out with a creator, uh, the main character who's named um, Doc, Dr. Vasegaran, who or Dr. Vasegaran, I, I can't get these names correct. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, he's played by the main actor, Rajinikanth, Rajinikan, and <laughs> <laughs> he creates this robot in his own likeness, um, and he's able to give this robot um, humanistic movement and balance and coordination and everything except emotion. Um, and then this, so it's kind of like a Pinocchio story. The, the, the robot is trying to you know, he wants to understand emotion, but he cannot. They end up naming him Chitti, which has a meaning, Chitti Babu, which has a meaning, uh, as is established in the film. Um, but they end up going around the film calling him Chitti, which kind of sounds funny um, when you when you get down to it, but it, it, it ends up working. The, the amazing thing is, is that he's playing the dual role. He's playing both um, Dr. Vasarian and Chitti. And he's in different makeup for each of the roles in, in various points. And this guy is not a young guy. Um, the, the actor, he's like, uh, if, uh, let's see, was, he's born 19, he's like 60. Okay. And going on 61, so he's like 59, 60 when he's doing the role. Now he's paired up with Ashwari Rai, who's his wife. And she, I, I think she's his wife. Maybe the girlfriend. Yeah, the girlfriend. She's not married yet. Um, but she's studying in college. So she herself is like 30-something. And this guy, so he's like twice the age. But he's playing this role. He's a very popular actor from what I read. He's playing this role as sort of a superstar. Um, he's the he's the leading man. He's the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's the Cary Grant. He's the, you know, what have you. He's both the action guy and the romance guy here. Um, which is amazing because they have him all made up and he, uh, he's a sex symbol at 60, which I think is great. I mean, this, <laughs> this sort of used to, be, used to be the way Hollywood was, right? You had these, these mature actors. Um, nowadays, it's all, you know, the, these, these young 
um, you know, pretty boys, you know, the, the, the guys from, um, uh, Twilight and, and whatnot, you know, and yeah, it's like it's and, like Sean Connery forty years ago. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so, so it's amazing to to see them uh, together, and and I, it's like you were saying, you know, you, for your film, The Three Idiots, you this guy's an old your, your your main character was this older actor, but he's supposed to be playing a guy in college, but it somehow works, and and this somehow works too. You you don't really question the nature of the relationship between you know the, these two characters. But the main point is is that Dr. Vasarian is a workaholic and he's spending all his time working on on Chitty and he ignores um, he ignores his his girlfriend named Sana for the most part until you know Chitty becomes active and then he ends up going around with Sana sort of being a protector and she tries to get him to use some of his talents to help her uh, cheat on her exams and things and um, then she gets attacked at one point and so he becomes the super bodyguard so it's very it's very uh it's very typical of what you might expect you know it, it follows the same old tropes that you'd, you've seen if you've watched science fiction films uh, of any kind so you've got the same themes fear of technology loss of control um and then amidst all of that about every 30 minutes you've got these massive musical numbers which are great. The soundtrack here is is great. I I went up and bought it on iTunes. It's available on the U.S. store. It apparently, was at like the top spot for world music at one point on the iTunes store um, earlier in the year when it was when it was originally released. Um, but the problem is, is that sometimes these music videos don't make sense. And I don't know. Maybe you can tell me if this was the same in the Three Idiots. It's like at one scene uh, they were on the campus talking about something and then suddenly it was like oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna do this next or something and then boom they were in the desert and <laughs> the guy's got a guitar and ashiwara rai is <laughs> dancing around and they're doing the song and this is i mentioned this last week the bad thing about this the dvd is i've got the uh hindi version because there you know there are so many dialects in in india that they often do different uh, language versions for the films. I got the Hindi version, but it's quite apparent that the post dubbing is not matching up here. I mean, we talk. I we talk about post dubbing problems here in Hong Kong. Um, I'm guessing they're pretty uh, intense in terms of of uh, Bollywood film. What were was your film post dubbed at all, or um, was there's it there's definitely post dubbing going on? Yeah, because the, they were it, yeah, the, their yeah. lips were not. Matching anything that was being said for the most part, so I didn't know who was speaking Hindi, who was speaking in Tamil, because I guess there's a, a Tamil language version of the film as well, and probably other language versions, and they're out there circulating. I just for whatever reason picked up the the Hindi version, but it has English subtitles except for the songs. Mm. So, the, you know, the songs they're singing, I'm not sure what they're singing, although sometimes they throw in some English in there. Which is which is okay, and you can follow that along. And they do a lot of channel switching, even in the regular dialogue. They'll throw in English words now and then, and they'll they'll have an English phrase, which is you know it's it's fine and it's fun, and it's just crazy. It's you know it's like I said last time. I mean, at one point they're doing something, and the next thing they're in Manchu Picchu, and it's all about it's kind of like cosplay. They're all in different costumes and things. But some of the science fiction numbers. Um, are really really great. I've got a, a song that I'll play part of in just a moment, which is one of my favorite songs. Where it's actually 
sort of in the mind of the robot Chitty and what he he's sort of he's he's gotten his emotional chip from the doctor and so now he's falling in love with Sana. And so that's where the story starts to take a turn. Um, he gets this emotional chip and he goes crazy in love for Sana. Um, but then later he gets corrupted and he, he becomes violent and dangerous and he starts creating clone robots um, from that were originally created by this other doctor and he modifies them and he makes all these clone robots of himself. And so he's got this whole army with him in charge and nobody can stop them because they're, they're, they're kind of like these indestructible robots. And if you've seen the clips on YouTube, um, he's able to join up into these shapes. They're able to link together into these different shapes. And it's just crazy. It's really crazy Matrix-style gunfights and, and things like this. If you like that kind of stuff, I think you'll really like this movie. Uh, it's just really over the top. Stan Winston Studios, a name that will probably mean something to some horror fans out there. Uh, worked on some of the, effect, the special effects for this film. And uh, again, the music's great. You can get the soundtrack on iTunes. The film's pretty readily available. I bought this copy over on Amazon on the U.S. store. It was cheap, $10. Bucks. Um, there's a Blu-ray circulating out there, too. I'm thinking about maybe picking that up later. The quality on this DVD was not that great, I will say. Um, it didn't really seem up. It was like somewhere between VCD and DVD quality, but I'm assuming this is a legitimate copy it seems like it's got all the proper, um, it's got some, some, some certificates here on the case and things that I'm looking at. Um, but the, the, the actual video quality wasn't quite there. I'll be interesting to see what the Blu-ray actually looks like. So if Where you're did in, you get the DVD, Paul? Uh, Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah, just ordered from the U.S. Amazon store. They've got a couple different versions on there. This one seemed like um, it, it had the quickest shipping. Seemed like the most official uh, looking one. And as I said, this is the one, uh, this is in Hindi. Um, they've got uh, Hindi in 5.1 and Hindi in 2.0 for mm. sound options. The other ones I saw, I think I saw one in Tamil and, and one in something else, but they had really weird shipping times, meaning they were probably being shipped from some someplace else. Um, so yeah, I, I bought this. I actually sent a copy to a friend for his birthday, and I hope hope he'll get a kick out of it too. Um, so yeah, robot. If you like sci-fi and you're kind of interested in the, getting some Bollywood on, I'd say give it a shot, and be prepared to spend three hours of your life doing so because <laughs> it is long. Uh, all right, let me play a little bit of song uh, from the film.
You know, it's this mix of um, everything. You know, the 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 the, the music guy, um, um, A.R. Rahman is. They say his specialization is both Indian classical music, Western classical music, and he's known for blending a lot of stuff. So the soundtrack is <laughs> is just all these different kinds of blends of stuff. The interesting thing is is you can see the music vid the music video that this music video takes place in Chitty's head, and it's all these dancing <laughs> robots. And Ashiwari Rai sort of dressed up as this this hybrid metropolis style robot, um, and she's doing like all the lip syncing for the female parts. And I, the thing is, is I don't think she sings. I I don't know this for sure, but I don't think she sings any of these songs. I think she just goes through and lip syncs and does the dancing because it sounds like in each of the songs they've got completely different singers going on. So mm. uh, I don't know. I couldn't really. I didn't really wasn't able to read up too much on what happens in the music of these films if if it's all lip synced and the same the actors aren't actually singing them themselves but it didn't seem like it to me so i could be wrong mm. but yeah soundtrack's great i've been listening to it to death yeah, that sounded like great classical music <laughs> <laughs> classical if you're in 2030 right and like, you know, yeah like i guess the... k-pop does age very quickly yeah. yes Listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. All right, so that was our Bollywood special, short special, focusing on some Bollywood films. I uh, hope to do this again. I, I've got another Bollywood film waiting on my uh table to be watched and that is another science fiction film called love story 2050 which i have heard about that one yeah i haven't gotten around heard it's equally as crazy but not as good as as robot but uh i will get around to watching that soon and maybe we'll talk about that and some other films uh sometime later but for now let's talk about some comments now we got a couple comments from the last episode gary lau wrote in he said uh off topic but i finally forked out the cash to see transformers in 3D, and it was dreadful. For the most part, it was fine, but they wasted too much time on Sam Witwicky's search for a job, and it probably would have been better if it was trimmed down a little. I think that was kind of what we both felt, too. Um, mm -hmm. I know that I had no interest in Sam Witwicky. Uh, also had a headache from the 3D effect, and the subplot with Central Prime was fine. I just wish they focused more on that. 
um, and he says, almost forgot 3D Sex and Zen is con confirmed to be screening on August 19th in Toronto. So Canadians, uh, get your 3D glasses out and clean them off and get ready for some 3D Sex and Zeniness. Um, yeah, and get ready to clean them off afterwards, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, he says, I've already seen it in two days, but I'll probably see it in the theaters just to check out, check out the 3D visuals. Now, 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 you shouldn't download movies. Don't <laughs> download. Come on. Sorry. Uh, David Harris writes in. He says, great show. I hate to think how long it would be if you had a few beers beforehand. Oh, I don't even I think want to be, think uh, about that. I would actually be uh, I, you know, It's a good thing that I don't drink alcohol, but I can only imagine if I had a few beers in me, I would not be able to run all of these different windows I'm looking at right now. It's like flipping back and forth it's like the whole system would just go down and there'd be no show i'm sure yeah i'm pretty sure i wouldn't stutter actually if i'm drunk yeah i would actually speak i wonder i wonder what 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 ross would be like though do you think he's an angry drunk i i've never heard of ross being drunk so yeah. I, I, I i don't think he's a drinker e either but if he was drunk do you think he'd be like an angry drunk start yelling and being like a cranky old man Wait, he, I don't think he needs to drink to be. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ross. You sorry. said it, not me. <laughs> you're probably listening, sitting right next to me when you're listening to this. Sorry. All right. Sorry. So, uh, third comment. Matt S. wrote in. He said, fun show. Caught a bit of a live stream. Uh, more planned or just an experiment? Well, uh, it's still an experiment. We're still experimenting now. But eventually, I'm hoping that um, we'll be able to do the live segment as part of the normal show. Yeah. Next time um, we bring out the toys. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah the Anna man right putting him in front of the camera um he says i saw some of the discussed superhero trailers at a showing of captain america this weekend which we don't have here i've heard really good things about it too um he says cap was pretty enjoyable but felt uh, rushed they were like they were in too much of a hurry to wrap up his story arc in time for the avengers I'd like to see more of early Cap in action, which seems rather unlikely now. Well, you never know. I mean, um, if Avengers is a flop, which it could be, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I haven't seen um, what happened, you know, because we haven't seen Captain America yet. But I don't see why they couldn't do, unless there's something that happens in the story, like oh, we gotta cryo freeze them or something. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Um, he says, anyway, I'm not sure about a dark, gritty Spider-Man reboot. He's always been this endearing, wise-cracking goofball, and none of that came across in the trailer. And that's true. I mean, yeah. when you think about Spider-Man, he's, he's, he's a little bit of a jokester in his way. And, and I know they've been talking about, I don't know if they said it was going to be more dark and gritty, but they said they were going to go more realistic. So, it's a movie about a guy who shoots web yeah. out of his wrist. It, I mean, how real? From what I saw in the trailer, I didn't get the sense yeah. of realism and as i understand who the main villain is now i'm not going to spoil it here but i know who the villain is and that's even less realistic so Wait, i want to know about this wait you can tell me afterwards paul yeah. but yeah it, i don't i don't understand this realistic tone thing i mean i think sam Raimi did a perfectly fine job of balancing that kind of down-to-earthness and the and the comic book style i think it was fine i don't think yeah. it needed to be Go to Dark Knight route just because Christopher Nolan can do with a with a, with a superhero who has no superpowers. Yeah. Well, and I, as I talked to a couple people too, from the footage, you know, the the classroom footage, the stuff I saw, it it looked very much like Teen Wolf. It looked very much like, uh, uh, you know, one of these teen shows on the CW or something, or even a little bit like Supernatural. Um, it just didn't look that 
all that. I mean, how dark and gritty are you going to be with a teenager in a high school? I mean, right. those kinds of those kinds of problems. You know, oh, is the girl going to like me? I'm a freak now because I can climb walls. You know, well, he's um, from the streets, yo, streets of New York. Yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Except, <laughs> except he has web shooters. Yes. Yes. And he wraps up. He says, I know the Avengers will be entertaining, but the trailer kind of f- f- uh, fell flat for me. Maybe there wasn't just enough footage to pull something coherent together in time. I, You know, I, this trailer I saw was really, really dark. I couldn't actually see all that much. I could hear more than I could see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Comic-Con. The, the movie's more than a year off still, so. It's Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. You know, I, I just automatically have faith in anything Joss Whedon does. So, yeah, I'm there. Well, yeah. we'll have to to wait and see. Um, they're talking about the Hulk remake in the chat room. Um, there, there's still another Hulk coming though, right? They've got to get that one out between now and Avengers. Is there? Yeah. Oh, because they recast it. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo is playing yeah. Hulk, but and I don't think they're gonna get another Hulk movie out. I don't think so. It's supposed to happen. It's supposed to is be b- before the Avengers. So because that's supposed to establish. Uh, Mark Ruffalo in the role before the Avengers is what I've understood. I mean, unless that's that's been shelved. So I don't know if they have it, I don't know if they have the money to make another to try and get another incredible Hulk movie to flop. So I don't know if Universal has that kind of money. Well, uh, you know, comic books. I think they could probably get it if they sold it well. And I mean, if you look at the money that they're making with Thor and uh, Iron Man, and seems now Captain America. Um, I you know, I don't think they'll have a problem getting it. It's just, are they going to get a decent story? Because mm-hmm. I think the jury's been out on on the last two. I mean, I I haven't liked either one really as a Hulk movie. I've right. met people, who, some people who liked the first one. I've met some people who liked the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still kind of a mixed bag. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I just looked at Mark Ruffalo's IMDb page, and no, no Hulk movies planned. I think there's going mm. to um jump right into it i guess okay well that would be weird then yeah just seeing him sort of pop up as the character Mm. okay well i don't know that's a show right i think we've covered everything we need to cover yeah um so thanks to the chat room for listening uh whoever popped in and uh alpha prop for sticking around throughout the show uh if you would like to follow along with some of the things we're doing you can hit us up at the website. That is www.concast.com. Leave us a comment over there. We might just talk about it here on the show. If you'd like to send us an audio file, you can send us an email over at eastscreen at gmail.com. I'm trying to get a number set up on Skype, too. So if you're a Skype user, you can leave a voicemail. Um, but uh, I need to do some more research on that. Uh, Twitter. You can follow us along on Twitter. The show Twitter is twitter.com slash concast, and you can follow the day-to-day exploits of Mr. Ma at his book fairs and everything else at twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. Uh, iTunes, if you have some free time, we would love for you to stop over at iTunes. Leave us a review, especially if you're happy. Leave us a five-star review because that somehow gets us boosted up in the numbers. But more importantly, leave us some comments. Leave us some feedback. If you like the show, if you don't like the show, if you'd like us to change something about it or you like something that we're doing, uh, let us know because that's really how we sort of mold this into what it's becoming. I mean, you know, I went back and started to listen to some of the 
first shows we did. Oh, so bad. Um, yeah, so this is a work in progress, and we will keep progressing along. Um, next one, next month, uh, we are entering into the month of August, which is our sort of our anniversary month. We'll be somewhat approaching our second anniversary at some point in there. Um, but next week, episode 77, we'll be talking about what film? Uh, we'll be looking at Peter Chan's Wuxia. Wuxia! Uh, Wuxia! <laughs> and well, what, what's our West Screen movie, Paul? I mean, we're going to talk about Dylan Dog or are we talk about The Beaver, the Mel Gibson film? Oh, Which, is that coming out? The Beaver? Dylan Dog is coming out tomorrow. Yes, it's already on iTunes if you were so inclined yeah. to not watch it in theaters. <laughs> yeah, that's we'll, what I'm we'll, we'll have something to talk about, I'm sure. Okay, well, that's um, what I'm reviewing this week, so I'm definitely going to catch Dylan Dog. And if I have that time, I will, you know, check out Mel Gibson and his hand puppet. Mm. Yes. Can can Jodie Foster redeem him? That's the real question. And will Jodie Foster play the beaver? Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, <laughs> ooh, wait, I don't think so. Let's go. Wait a minute. Uh, I don't <laughs> think so. I want to I put in a plug for the blog, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're writing, you're writing stuff on the blog. Yes, yes. I update every two, three days now. The Golden Rock still going strong. We remember last week we uncovered the internal memo uh, of Chinese cinemas. This week we'll be looking at Rest on Your Shoulder, the debacle, why the great revival flopped, and also um, some pictures of stuff I bought at the book fair this weekend. Excellent. Yes, and that's at uh, Love Hong Kong Film. Well, www.lovehkfilm.com slash blog slash the Golden Rock. That's in one word, just like the my Twitter name. All right. And please visit and keep Kevin blogging. Yeah, he needs the work. <laughs> All right. So until next time, we will wish you good viewing, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, everybody. Whoosh out! <laughs> <laughs>